Hello everybody and welcome back to Rowan and the Wasteland, where we discuss a film and honor its place amongst its peers. My name is Rowan Wood and joining me as always, he couldn't have killed that kid. He was locked in the attic. It's Shane Kanto, ladies and gentlemen. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. <laughs> um, Shane, what movie are we talking about today? What movie that a lot of people haven't heard of are we talking about today, I guess I should say. And then Rowan stole my joke. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Psycho 2. And guess what? There's two more sequels after this. So, um, sure But, yes, we're talking about Psycho 2. And yes, this has nothing to do with Alfred Hitchcock. But it does have to do with Norman Bates getting out of the asylum and heading back to the Bates Motel. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, uh, and Anthony Perkins comes back for this one, and he came back for the other two sequels too, which is just a remarkable amount of consistency that uh, that you might not expect from horror series, especially from the late twentieth century. Um, but uh, yeah, so Shane, ha- you hadn't seen this movie before, right? No, this is a first time watch off of my watch list, but I heard decent things about it, so I'm like, I'm gonna give it a try. Yeah, yeah, same here. Uh, I had not seen it but i'd heard that it was like surprisingly not terrible which you might not expect for a sequel to what is regarded as one of the greatest horror movies of all time um and like the fact that they even made this is insane but the fact that it's not terrible is yet another level uh, of the insanity so shane what did you think of psycho 2 i liked it i thought it was a decent horror movie decent thriller you have to take a step back and realize that Hitchcock didn't direct this. So don't compare it to the first Psycho. It does not have the level of craft. It's just not that. But it is something that has decent thrills to it. It has some twists and turns along the way. And I think Andy Perkins is good. Like, he gives a really good performance here, and there's certainly some shocking elements to this film that I didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. Agreed, yeah. Um, it's because I had those expectations that it wasn't completely terrible, I did have a really, really good time with this, and it didn't really surprise me in, in, in that way. Um, but I did, I yeah, I, I, I was surprised by how... Um, like it is, it's so incredibly different from Psycho. It might as well be a different franchise in, in like in terms of production value and like how it's made. But still, how it's made is like despite being completely divorced from Hitchcock and his style, it's not bad at all. Like I actually found a lot of it pretty pretty compelling. Uh, there's a really good mystery at the center of it, and mm-hmm. uh, of course, it starts off with the original's most iconic scene to really draw you in and say, hey. Remember the movie that you really, really loved that came out 15 years ago? Well, you're going to love this one because we're going to be doing a lot of the same things. Um, that, that's crazy to think about that this was only 15 years different. Yeah. It just, like, time time's such an interesting thing. Because, you know, from right now, Psycho feels so long ago and then realizing, oh, the ni- like 1983 was literally 40 years ago. So right. this is a decently old movie at this point, but exactly. I think it's interesting that they bring back some of the actors from the original mm-hmm. film. Like you do have Vera Miles and then you have like Meg Tilly, who's having a moment 
at this point because she was also in another film, The Big Chill, <laughs> that came right. out the same year as this. Uh, you have Robert uh, Logia, who I really like him. He's a really good character actor. Dennis Franz from like NYPD Blue and stuff like that. Yeah. What a piece of crap he was in this movie. <laughs> um, but there's like, it's not Hitchcock, but there's some really decent craft in terms of building tension. Like you could definitely tell they're trying to replicate exactly. some shots and stuff like that from the original film. But I do think that this is like, if it wasn't a sequel to Psycho, and it was just about like somebody who had been in asylum for a long time and something like that. I feel like this would get a lot more attention. It just in comparison, it's not psycho. But, you know, there's good scares, there's some eerie moments. And like I said before, it's like I didn't see where this was finally going. Mm-hmm. In the end, Agreed. and it kind of perturbs me <laughs> where this finally goes. And I actually really felt bad for Norman Bates in this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel like yeah, this I film like doubled down, doubles down on like this was a really perturbed individual that had no help, was abused, was traumatized, and then like the sick twist of fate that's going on this film of like, is somebody messing with him and trying to drive him crazy? Or is he really falling back into how he was in the first film is a pretty compelling story that they go with. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a really solid, like psychological um, mystery that, you know, like Norman, like, like, like he was a, a, a primary character in the original, but he was not the main character here. We do get to know him in, in, in ways that we never got to know him before. Um, And from what I hear that does continue in the next two sequels to lesser effect. Um, But in psycho two, like it's actually fascinating how much we get into his head and not necessarily understand why he does what he does, but we understand his perspective and mm-hmm. like even we as the audience are not like Norman for most of this movie is not a, like is not aware of what's real and what isn't and neither are we the audience like we are as, as in the dark as he is and we find out information as he does um, and 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 when we do find out new information it's done very well like in 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 great um, dramatic fashion um, there's a twist near like near. Um, like two thirds through this movie that I think is just so so good, and now would be considered like pretty commonplace in terms of like horror and just d- like dramatic twists in general. But here, like I, I still, it, it was still pretty effective. I, I thought it was mm-hmm. really really interesting and added a really cool um, layer to the story. It also and like where some of the twists and turns of this film focus on it, like it's building on the very human reaction of like can somebody really be helped and improved and able to come back in society after, you know, they're a serial killer and we're straight murdering people and how others in the community are going to react to that. And I think that's one of the most interesting things that this film does is trying to tackle how all these different people are reacting to that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a real like it it gets into the heart of the uh into the heart of the community without having 
I suppose without having to feature too many characters or or crowd scenes, because there are certain characters that like stand for various um, different uh, opinions and stances that we like. We see every perspective through each character um, in in this movie. Um, so yeah, I I really really liked it. I I had a great time. I did too, and I'm glad that I I forgot who told like I feel like. Foster told me about this and I'm trying to remember but like I'm glad whoever did recommend this I watched it because I did really like it once he saw that I watched it Foster uh slacked me and said you gotta watch Psycho 2 and 3 they're like they're bad but they're goofy and fun so I I, sorry 3 and 4 so I might have to uh at at some point I know 4 is um 4 is uh, is just a big old framing device where he's on a radio show telling them about his childhood, and it's basically uh-huh. like like entirely a flashback with with young Henry Thomas as um as young young Norman, which which is interesting. interesting give give yeah. the time period, but um yeah. Uh, so Shane, where does Psycho Two rank on the list of now fifty four films that we've watched so far? It's making me realize we watch a lot of good movies here. Um, this is like number thirty six. I have this around uh, King Kong and Swing Time. Interesting. This might be one of our biggest differences because this is number 17 for me. Oh, dang. Um, that is above In the Name of the Father and Below the Wicker Man. So it's 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 definitely high, high up for me. I had a really, really great time with this. Um, so, uh, but, but yeah. So, so those are, those are our rankings. People should check it out. Yes, absolutely. Um, we do have three categories to talk about today. We have horror sequels, directorial debuts, and the year 1983. Uh, let's start out with uh, horror sequels. Um, Shane, what are your top five? My number five is The Bride of Frankenstein, which, like, going way back to, like, universal horror. But it's a this is a weird movie. Like, a really weird movie, but it does have, like, the iconic introduction of, you know, the bride. My number four is Evil Dead 2, which basically is just the first Evil Dead remade with less characters to begin right. with, but it's so much fun. and Less characters and more of a budget. <laughs> correct. Yep. Um, number two is Aliens. So, trades, like, claustrophobic horror for action horror. And James Cameron, who really knows how to do that well. My number two is Dr. Sleep. And you all should go check out Dr. Sleep because I know you didn't watch it because it didn't make any money. Um, It's a really great sequel to both the book and the film. And Mike Flanagan is like peak directing when it comes to horror. And my number one, I love this film, is The Conjuring 2. There's, oh my god, Valak. Valak scares the shit out of me. And you see it, you see that nun shadow coming, but that scene (laughs) still scares the living daylights out of me. And then you get the crooked man and the creepy old man, and just, there's so many great things working. And Patrick Wilson singing Elvis. So there you go. Um, well, put this down in the history books, folks, because Shane and my list are almost identical, uh, just in a slightly different order. We have all five of the same movies on our what? list. 
just in a different, in a slightly different order. This is in, it has never happened before. That's why I vaulted forward when I heard The Conjuring 2. Because as you got higher, I was like, no way, it's going to be The Conjuring 2. But it was! It was The Conjuring 2. Um, anyway, and for the record, so my order... We don't talk about yeah, this stuff beforehand. No, so. Absolutely not. We are not in contact at all. But uh, Bride of Frankenstein is my number five. Uh, Evil Dead 2 is my number four. Uh, Conjuring 2 is my number three. I, I I was going to say I love this movie more than anyone else, but Shane just came and proved me wrong. Um, <laughs> this movie is so fantastic. Uh, number two is Doctor Sleep. Uh, just one of my one of my favorite movies in general, not just horror sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, I I own uh, the extended uh, edition uh, as, as well, the director's cut, which I think is far superior to the theatrical version, um, which I still need to watch. Yeah, it's it's just it's just better 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 paced in general. Uh, and number one is Aliens because you know how can you top the first movie by you know throwing the characters into an action movie uh, and just adding more uh, of the of the the movie's scariest element. Um, yep. So yeah, yeah, just all like all of these movies are so so good, and the fact that they are, I would say that all of these on my list are aside from probably Dr. Sleep are my favorite of like, like are in my opinion, better than the previous film. Um, but like Dr. Sleep, you know, it is almost impossible for me to beat the shining. Um, but, 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 you know, yeah. Dr. Sleep, it makes a pretty solid effort. Um, I would agree with that point yeah. very much. So yeah. uh, next up is uh, directorial debuts because this movie uh, was the directorial debut of director Richard Franklin. Um, in addition to fun fact being written by uh, Tom Holland, not that Tom Holland, he was not born yet, um, but uh, he uh, who also played um, Patrick. Uh, I almost said Patrick Bateman, Norman Bates's uh, psychi- uh, psychiatrist, uh, who popped up a couple of times uh, in the film. Um, so, Shane, your top five directorial debuts. My number five is The Night of the Hunter. And what's so interesting about this is the literally the only film that he directed. So <laughs> Charles Lawton and Robert Mitchum gives one of the best villain performances in like the history of film. The whole love and hate tattooed mm-hmm. on his hands, you know, that they get from uh, that uh, do the right thing utilizes. But it's such a creepy gothic type of American gothic horror. Um, number yeah. four is John Wick. Chad Stahileski, and I guess technically David Leach, too, who is yeah. uncredited. But, like, you know what? I think Chad Stahileski could just keep making John Wick movies for forever. Um, yep. I heard he was going to do a Highlander movie, which, like, I'd be down for that, but we're going to have to see. Um, number yeah. three is Alex Garland's Ex Machina, and this is only mm. if you believe he didn't actually direct Dread. Uh, which is only a rumor so this counts um i just love alex garland and ex machina is one of my favorite films it is such an incredible film about artificial intelligence this is probably gonna be the most shocking one on this list shrek because andrew adamson (laughs) made his directorial debut making shrek which not so shocking to the uh to the listeners i think you've 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 featured (laughs) shrek on several lists yes because i love shrek (laughs) Um, I didn't realize he also directed Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the mm. Wardrobe, but that makes so much sense, honestly. Yeah. And my number one 
Now, this is definitely not my favorite of this series, but, like, there's just something special about Mad Max. So Dr. George Miller plopped right on top. <laughs> it's true. Um, my number five is The Night of the Hunter. Uh, in I, I believe the only similarity uh, that, that, that Shane and I have in our lists here. Uh, number four is uh, is Get Out. Uh, I'm for, for for this category. I'm going with the rules of a of a feature directorial debut. Um, yeah. So this, of course, was Jordan Peele um, coming in with one of the best social commentary and horror movies uh, in you know modern history. Uh, number three is Tick Tick Boom. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda uh, coming in and uh, and directing one of my like my favorite movie of of 2021, um, and and one that I have revisited so many times since. Uh, number two is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, Harry Selleck. Uh, or is it Harry Selleck or Henry Selleck? I can never remember. Henry Selleck, I think. Cool. Henry yeah. Selleck. There we go. I got his name right. Um, this this is one of my favorite movies uh, ever. Uh, I just think it's it, it, it does so much in so little time um, and it makes full use of... And it's, it's mostly songs, too, which just blows my mind at how mm-hmm. well the songs are integrated into the story and feel sort of like... Um, indispensable and and you know you can't have the story without the songs and vice versa and number one is the cabin in the woods uh drew goddard uh his directorial debut uh before doing uh bad times at the el royale um yeah uh but but this this movie is just so so good um and like I think I, I mean I've talked about this so many times before. I may or may not talk about it on 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 one of our anniversary celebratory episodes. Um, but the cabin in the woods is just the perfect balance of satire and um, just true horror and comedy, and it just it just plays so many hands so well, um, and has what I, I I think one of the best um, endings in, uh, in 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 modern horror uh, as well. But um, yeah, so those are my those are my lists of uh, of feature directorial debuts. Uh, our final list today is the year nineteen eighty three, in which uh, Psycho two was released. So Shane, your top five from this year 30, uh, 40, 40 years ago this year. It's crazy. Yeah, crazy. My number five, Trading Places. This nice. movie I watched when I was a kid, and this movie makes me laugh so much. <laughs> And it's so messed up that it's all based off of ruining a guy's life and elevating another's for a dollar. Um, number four, because they're re-releasing this for its 40th anniversary, is Return of the Jedi. Yeah. There's a lot of hate that gets thrown at Return of the Jedi nowadays, but you leave those Ewoks alone. And this is still such a wonderful ending to the original trilogy of Star Wars. Um and now for something very weird. Um, number three is Videodrome. Because James Woods and whatever the hell's in his abdomen and all <laughs> the craziness that goes on in this disturbing body horror sci-fi film. Number two, The Meaning of Life. I just love Monty Python so much. And this has some of the best sketches and ideas that they've ever put into movies. <laughs> And number one is The Big Chill. I think this is one of the most interesting group dynamic films of just about a group of friends coming back together after years when one of them passes away. And just, which also, 
Fun fact, their friend who passed away was played by Kevin Costner. Whoa. Yep, who you'd never actually see in the final film. Um, but it just, it's such a great, it's a great film. And the cast is incredible. Like Jeff Goldblum, William Hurt, Tom Berenger, and Glenn Close, and Kevin Klein, just fantastic. And the soundtrack is amazing. Yeah. Very, very nice. Also starring uh, Meg Tilly, who is in Psycho 2. Correct. A little a little connection for you there. Uh, for 1983, my number five is Sleepaway Camp, uh, a, a schlocky B-horror movie with just some of the funniest uh, like out-of-pocket lines that I've ever heard. Uh, this one's free on YouTube if, uh, if you want to check it out. Uh, number four is The Outsiders, because uh, I have a bias, uh, having read this in seventh grade. Uh, I really, really like this movie. This is a Coppola movie, I think. Um, yeah. And, and, and it has just a fantastic uh, young, young cast. Number three is Risky Business. Hasn't aged super well, uh, but I just think it's still so, so much fun. Uh, and, 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 and is a great example of, hey, you know, this Tom Cruise guy is uh, someone to watch. Well, um, the movie might not have, but Tom Cruise has aged well. So. Exactly. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, number two is Psycho 2, for all the reasons we've talked about today. And Return of the Jedi is my number one. Uh, because, yes, Shane, as you mentioned, it gets a lot of unfair ridicule. But I think that's only because it's not as good as the first two in the trilogy. Uh, but it's still pretty fantastic and concludes the trilogy in just a spectacular way. Oh, the Emperor. <laughs> I'm afraid this station is fully operational. <laughs> As I break I, my um, neck, turning my head. <laughs> I read uh, yesterday that um, there was a book, like a like a companion book to The Phantom Menace, um, when, when that came out that listed Ian McDermott as playing Darth Sidious. And there was actually a lot of debate over whether, um, over whether, like, Palpatine and Sidious were the same person when when that came out because like that had never like really been explored at all in the movies and so people were like people were mad that it was like spoiled and everything and I just think that that is so funny um so funny but yeah Ian McDermott so good even in the rise of Skywalker in his very limited screen time still pretty darn good even in even in the even in his cameo in Kenobi when he you know it looks like they just kind of threw makeup on him and then uh, put him behind a green screen so good <laughs> such a great it's such a great performance for decades <laughs> yes absolutely um so that is our episode on psycho 2 uh next week is going to be the first of our two uh one year anniversary episodes which we're very very excited for one year of Rowan in the wasteland uh crazy 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 to think about um but uh for now thank you all very very much uh for listening uh shane where can the people find you if they want to hear more from you Head on over to the Wasteland Reviewer Instagram page where you can see me shamelessly plug all the things from Scribe, Magazine, SifPop.com, and the Wasteland Reviewer YouTube channel of all the fun things that I do and the podcasts that I'm on, including this one. Very nice. Uh, you can find me at TheLenientCritic.com or my other podcast, Runtime Babe. Or if you are very, very interested to hear my detailed thoughts, go to Letterboxd at uh, Ronaboat. I changed my name. Uh, and on Twitter at Bits of Joel, if you're interested in finding me there. So thank you all very, very much for listening. And we will be back next week with a brand new episode of Rowan and the Wasteland.